0: Welcome to this edition of Locked on Jazz. Today I got a chance to talk with the Jazz three second round draft picks. Started off with Joel Ballenboy out of Weber State, then Marcus Page out of North Carolina, and finished it up with Tyrone Wallace out of Cal. All three will participate in Jazz Summer League and tickets are available for Utah Jazz Summer League. Go to utahjazz.com July 4th and 5th and then on the seventh, So make sure you come out and support the Jazz Summer League. Also support those that sponsor Locked on Jazz, including the Utah NBA Online program. Call them at 801-587-8870. And also, Devin Cash of Equity Real Estate has been a big-time sponsor to the program as well. Give Devin a call at 801-759-1495. Sitting down with another second-round draft pick, Joe Bowenboy, Weaver State product, here with us. And it was funny, you just finished your kind of gang media session and they they all asked the question they really wanted answered at the end, which is how to pronounce your first name you gave an interesting and funny answer to it so give the backstory and the evolution of how your name evolved
2: okay, so the backstory is just my parents being from the countries they're from, you know, with their accents the way they pronounce it, is naturally Joel but you know, growing up, everybody's called me Joel so I think it's safe to say the correct way to say my name is Joel because that's what everybody else calls me
0: all right. You know, nobody wanted to be wrong on that one. Tell the story. We'll get into your game in a minute. I've read different things. I've read you. Maybe it was the same. You are born in the Ukraine. You are born in Russia. I'm not sure. Maybe timing-wise that works out to be the same thing. Give the story of kind of your evolution of how you ended up here. It's it's pretty interesting.
2: Yeah, so I was originally born in Ukraine. Uh, my mom's from Russia, and my dad's from the Democratic-Republican of Congo. And pretty much my dad had a, a whole bunch of academic scholarship opportunities and I think he just couldn't quite afford to come over to the United States. So what he decided to do was to go to a school out there in Moscow. And at the time, it all used to be together. So it used to be the USSR. But I was born in Ukraine, like I said, and my mom's from Russia. So that's where my parents met, out there at the university. And my dad spoke French, Russian, English, and Lingala, and like one other language, I think. And my mom only spoke Russian at the time. So as time went on, my mom ended up learning French. You know, that's my one of my dad's native languages. And I was born in 1994 and I have three younger sisters right now. And so we moved to Texas when I was four or five. And the reason why we went out there was just because I think my dad either had close relatives or some good friends. So we made our way into Texas. And growing up, you know, I didn't speak any English. My first two languages was Russian and French. So I learned that, and I remember in elementary school, I was in ESL, just learning, learning English. And my mom was in the same boat as me, so she only knew Russian and French. And she went to school, she went to nursing school, and she also went to school to learn English. And I was learning it at a high rate, so being young as I was. So I was picking up the language really fast, and I was helping my mom at the same time. And that was helping me out, learn the language even more. But, yeah, so we moved to Texas, and in seventh and eighth grade, I played football and basketball. But the main reason why I switched over to basketball is because we had a a high school coach come over to the middle school and work out the kids that were there, and at the same time, he would work us out. He would kind of recruit us. So when we were done with middle school, we would go to that high school that he's at. So I noticed nobody would go over there except for, like, my best friend. And later I happened to find out that was his dad. So he had no choice but to go over there. But, yeah, I went over there, and, you know, I kind of fell in love. I was really raw. I had a lot to learn, but I thought it was a better fit for me. You know, I was only 6'2 at the time, and the doctors kept telling me I was going to be around 6'6, but I proved them wrong and grew to be 6'9". But, yeah, the main reason why I stopped playing football was just because it was so hot in Texas. And then especially with all the equipment, you know, I I don't think it was for me. And then I felt like it was just so chaotic and there were so many players out there. And then in high school, I remember just going through the process, and that's where I think I took a step forward and told myself I want to play Division One basketball. So at that point, I i got familiar with the aau and summer basketball and i got a i got a shot to try out for this really good uh summer team and they were called texas select and they were they traveled everywhere they traveled to like vegas uh they went to indiana california you know there's really big tournaments in texas so yeah i just played basketball and i got better every single year and then the scholarships kept coming in and I think when it was all said and done, I maybe had like 15 Division one scholarships, and when I narrowed it down, it was mainly Weber State, but New Mexico was in the mix too, but they were recruiting a player over me, and there was rumors going on that their coach might leave one day, so I didn't want to go there, and I also had schools, I had a couple schools from the ACC like Clemson and Florida State come into the process, and they straight up told me that I would redshirt if I went there, so I definitely didn't want to do that, and Weber State you know I went on my visit and loved the city of Utah the mountains everything was beautiful you know they recruited high character guys and you know the culture they thrived them- themselves on being tough and unselfish some of the attributes I have myself but yeah I just felt like I was at home you know being a part of the team and I hadn't even committed yet you know they just brought me in and I felt like that was the best choice for me.
0: If we look at the history of the second round of the NBA, it's hard, really, really hard. But there's been kind of a theme of players that make it. It's the undersized power forward who's got multiple skills. Can you fit that mold?
2: Yeah, I think I could definitely fit that mold just because, you know, my calling card, I feel like it will be defending and rebounding. I was a great rebounder in college, and, you know, they say rebounding translates to every level. But I'm able to do so much, especially offensively. I'm able... I'm capable to knock down open shots, whether they're NBA 3s or mid-ranges. And I have a pretty good handle for my size and uh, for my length. I can handle the ball really well and just attack my defender off the bounce and create stuff for my teammates. And, Sorry. Oh, and then on top of that, I was just going to say that I'm really coachable. I do exactly what the coaches want me to do. I'm a, a great person. I'm really unselfish. I always put my teammates before myself. What do you think
0: the biggest challenge? What's the skill you'll have to develop the most to be able to survive?
2: I don't think there's one specific skill I'll have to develop to survive. I think for me to survive, I'll have to just come in with a great motor and just continue to defend and rebound like I do, but just refine my game. You know, I'm able to do a little bit of everything, and I just need to sharpen everything up.
0: Well, Randy Ray says he never took a practice off. He never gave him anything but 110% in every practice. So, congratulations on being drafted. And I'm sure if you take that approach, it'll work well for
2: you. Thank you. I really appreciate it.
0: That's Joel Ballenboy. Thank you very much for the time. Here was second round draft pick Marcus Page. And uh, I don't even, I actually knew where I was going to start with you, but I, I want to actually get the background. I just watched you do your interview with everyone. You're crazy impressive. Like, I just. Did. Unremarkable, like mom and dad Page should be so <laughs> proud. But do you think that's is that mom and dad Page? Is that North Carolina that you've just done these media things so many times? Where does that come from? Because you, your interaction, your communication was just brilliant.
3: Uh, I think there's a lot of areas it comes from. I'm a public relations major, or I had a public relations degree at Carolina, so. Dealing with, you know, communication in that situation. And then also, my mom's an English teacher, so she always made me, you know, speak the right way. Um, And then also the amount of exposure I got to media at Carolina was huge. Um, you know, we had a lot of scrutiny under our program about this ac- athletic scandal or academic scandal and stuff. And a lot of times, because I was like an honor roll student and stuff, they would throw me out there to kind of deal with the media. And so I got comfortable dealing with media in a negative way and also, you know, in a positive way, being the face of the program for a couple of years. So I shouldn't ask
0: you if you're taking African-American studies? No, I, I <laughs> tried to stay away from that.
3: Even though that got cleared up in 2010, uh, I still I wanted to pave my own way. <laughs>
0: Well, moving on to the floor, yeah, I was at your workout. Um, it was interesting because I didn't know that uh, Jackson out of Notre Dame was supposed to be this high-level first-round draft pick. Frankly, I thought you handed it to him pretty good that day. Like, What was your mindset coming into that workout? Because you seemed to be on kind of a different level than everybody else that day.
3: Yeah, um, I knew with my situation, not having the senior year I wanted to, that – There was going to be some hurdles I had to climb uh, to get drafted and to get where I wanted to be. And uh, so I had a small, me and my agent had a small list of guys that we wanted to get every workout in, and Demetrius was on that list. I competed against him when he was at Notre Dame. Uh, But I felt like my game was at least on his level, you know. And to me, you know, you go into these workouts and you got to think you're the best player on the floor. So I just wanted to show that I'm I'm worthy of, you know, being an NBA player.
0: If I remember correctly, and I could be wrong on this, but weren't you close to number one point guard in the country out of high school? Out of Iowa?
3: Yeah, uh, it was between me, Yogi Farrell, and Chris Dunn uh, from our class. Obviously, Chris did pretty well at Providence, and Yogi had a great career, and I had a pretty good career at Carolina. But, uh, yeah, we were all McDonald's All-Americans, and, you know, now here we are.
0: <laughs> One of the two things that leads to the most kind of consistent success in the nba is if you ever make the nike hoop summit and two if you're a mcdonald's all-american like the rate of success out of those so it's unusual a little bit for you to go to north Carolina, be the number one guy mcdonald's all-american and then be the 50 whatever pick yeah what do you think got lost in that four-year run of your status in the league
3: well it would have made it would have fit the mold a lot better had i left after my sophomore year where i was all-american and i probably would have been selected towards the end of the first round that would have you know fit the fit the bill a lot better but you know I had some injuries my junior year and then my senior year I had to play shooting guard which was a a new world for me and it's not what I'm not really my strength so um, just my ability to be a pure point guard and you know attack from the top and and be a leader and a floor general those kind of got lost in the shuffle between my injuries and between moving off the ball to help my team win games so uh, you know I had to reprove it in the workouts and thankfully I did it enough to to sneak into that second round. Okay
0: so you are forever going to be one of my favorites. For the synergy reference, oh yeah, in the, uh, as, as you know, as the, as the resident numbers geek here, oh, so gosh. you checked your own synergy numbers. Yeah. What did you find out about yourself?
3: Well, I just wanted to see if what I saw or what I felt on the court was consistent, you know, or backed by numbers. You know, I always felt I was really good in the pick and roll and then I looked at you know my points per possession out of the pick and roll and then also my field goal percentage out of the pick and roll and stuff and I was in like the 90 above 90th percentile in both of those things uh, as a guard so I was like okay cool like I'm glad that could confirm that I'm good in the pick and roll so when I say that I'm not just you know, talking smoke or whatever. So, uh, just sort of stuff like that. And then you got to look at effective field goal percentage and stuff like that because my actual field goal percentage is kind of low, um, especially when I was struggling with my shooting streak, uh, my shooting slump <laughs> uh, this year. So I just I like to check numbers, and I also like to do it for scouting purposes. Uh, look at other teams and see if I can find some something in the other team.
0: Smart. Uh, just a good note for you. Rodney Hood was the number one pick and roll wing coming into the draft a few years ago and he's now if you go into numbers he's the number one win share player out of that draft so really? good little note kind of to give you hope rodney, on that uh,
3: i played against rodney hit um, a couple years ago when he was at duke and you know everyone was talking about jabari parker and rightfully so he's a stud uh, i've known him for a long time but rodney i just love his game you know he's got that high lefty release lefty uh, lefties got to appreciate other lefties uh, and to see him do well in the league uh, you know i was really happy he actually even, the best player though, on the floor of those games. Even though he's a dookie. <laughs> There's a lot of dookies around here, but all right. You're going right. to get this
0: a lot. Is it better to be Marcus Page who hits the seeming buzzer beater to win the NCAA title only to be outdone by Chris Jenkins? Or is it to be Gordon Hayward to have that heartbreak? Or is it worse to be Gordon Hayward who has the half-court shot that rims out and
3: doesn't win the title? I think it's... Well, it depends on how you define better. You know, well, it's, yeah, which is it's worse. probably yeah, it's easier. Worse, right? It might be, this might sound bad, but it might be easier for him because he didn't have the just the burst of joy and, and happiness that comes with making the shot. Only to be cut off, like he went straight to the you know disappointment of losing. I had that three or four. So the the shot goes in. You look up, Michael Jordan, Vince Carter, all those guys are going crazy. Our students are going crazy. Then there's a timeout, which is a media timeout. In the final four is like five minutes, so it's like elation. You know, everyone's just going crazy. Every all you're thinking about is how we have five more minutes to win the title now. And then you go back to the feeling Gordon had. But it was it was after like, it was like a free fall of emotion. So, um, you know, he might say it the other way around, but man, that was the hardest thing ever. Can I give you a suggestion? Yeah, don't discuss it with him. No, I won't. I won't. And I hope he doesn't bring. <laughs> uh, mine's been talked about so much. I'm sure his was too. Back in 2010, 2011. Yeah. Uh, Still so But sour. yeah, we'll just. Acknowledge that we both <laughs> <laughs> both went through. Trey that. Trey Burke can be there for you that conversation yeah, too because exactly. he's
0: a, another title. We're, yeah. we're just collecting guys that have had title disappointment.
3: Yeah, um, hopefully that all fuels us to be really good NBA players.
0: Well, Best of luck to you. I think just inner you know interacting with you today, I will tell you that whatever you do for the next sixty years of your life, you're going to be highly successful. That's I'm unquestionable. Sure, uh, best of luck for you in your NBA journey. Look forward to watching summer league.
3: Thank you. Appreciate it.
0: Here with Jad, second round draft pick Tyrone Wallace. You decided to go back for your senior year to get your degree. You said at the time that your late grandfather had made you promise. How are you on that road?
1: I'm well. I'm graduated. Uh, you know, I think it was a great decision for me just to come back. Uh, you know, that way I get to leave with my degree. Um, you know, I also got a chance to get drafted, so I don't have to worry about going back to finish. Uh, you know, unless I want to pursue graduate, a postgraduate degree. So uh, I think it's a great decision. I'm happy with
0: cap and gown walking down the aisle, graduation, or being drafted in the NBA. Bigger thrill.
1: Um, I would have to say probably NBA. I actually didn't get to walk because um, I was doing the draft process, and so uh, I, I had to skip out on that. But I, I would definitely say um, hearing your name called, uh, like I said, it's always been a dream of mine. And so to finally uh, get to that point where you're ha- having that opportunity is definitely an exciting time. I think
0: your mom's name is Michelle. I'm not sure if that's yeah. right. So for Michelle, your mm-hmm. mom, which is bigger?
1: Um, it's hard to say. I know she's definitely happy and proud of me for, uh, you know, fulfilling the promise to my grandfather. I know that meant a lot to her, but uh, I also know that she's been one of my biggest supporter, uh, biggest supporters, you know, in my basketball, throughout my basketball career. So I know she's extremely proud and happy, you know, to hear my name called as well.
0: So I got a funny story for you. I'm a bit of a draft, Nick. I do a pot, national podcast called Locked in NBA, so you can find this. And I was doing an interview with a guy, and I said, you know, I'm trying to find this year's Norman Powell. And I think it's Tyrone Wallace. And then we ended up drafting you. <laughs> oh, so I had, I, and, and I'll give you my thought on why. I want to hear what the experience was. So two years ago, I don't have the number exactly right, but are junior, your usage rate is like plus 30. Your assist rate is plus 20. Your defensive rebounding rate was through the roof. Yeah. And then Rab comes in, Brown comes in, and you have to adapt to a new role. So I'll give you in a minute my theory of why this helps you but what was that like for you to come back your senior year and then really have to step way back as who you were as a player?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, my junior year I had a lot on my shoulders. I think, you know, um, we weren't as talented of a team uh, clearly with, you know, without Jalen and Ivan. So I think, uh, you know, I was forced to do a lot more, um, but I, I think that's helped me as a player and I understand and appreciate that. But then you know, having Jalen and Ivan, I think it was it was kind of a process that I had to fill out. Um, you know, just uh, we all had to understand when to be aggressive, you know, when to when to take shots, um, how to play with each other, and I think that comes with time. And so, as the season went on, I think we grew better with uh, with learning each other, and um, and so it, it was definitely a tough process for me. You know, just learning how to get guys the ball and uh, who hasn't maybe had a touch in a while. But um, I, I think I definitely learned how to do that, and I, I grew better at. It.
0: So I'm old. I've been in the league longer than you've been alive. So you guys are all getting too young, and you're not even young. Uh, the thing I see most often is guys come in this league, and they're the number one player at whatever college, they were, and they try to be that guy. But the chances are you're not that guy. Everybody else has got a back of a basketball card, too. And so you've got to figure out your role and how you fit in the NBA Successfully, What from those two years did you learn that might be able to allow you to be figure out what your role is to be successful?
1: Yeah, I think for me, I think I do a lot of different things. Um, you know, it's not just scoring the ball. Um, you know, I, I think I assist the ball, I rebound, uh, play defense. So I, I think. Like any like any other process, I think, again, it's a filling process. I think I'll come in and, uh, you know, being one of the younger guys, a rookie on the team, uh, you know, defense is something that you can always uh, uh, count on to get you on the floor. Um, you know, and coaches always love that. So I think, you know, initially that's something where you kind of can focus in on and then everything else can come in together, um, you know, as the as coach gets more, comfortable or you know the trust is there um, and so I, I think that's an area where I can help at and then uh, uh, you know I'll come in and, and be myself you know uh, you know that's what that's all I can ask for, you know that's all coaching ask to just be myself and uh, come out and be the player that I, that I have been.
0: What is the skill you need to improve the most?
1: Uh, shooting the ball. Shooting the ball is definitely a skill that I, I probably need to improve the most, uh, just becoming consistent from uh, behind the arc. Uh, I think, you know, like I said before, I think I do a lot of things really well. Um, I think get to the basket, uh, can make plays for myself and others, uh, defense, rebounding. But uh, shooting, I think, will bring it everything together.
0: Is it a rebuilding of the entire stroke that you know, when you were young you got some bad habits or is it just working to understand it better?
1: I think it's uh, just working to understand it better. I think um, I've, I've cleaned up a lot of things that was maybe wrong with my shot uh, over the years. I've gotten, I've gotten better. I've improved. Uh, but I think now it's, it's not going to be breaking the whole shot down. It's just going to be tweaking little things here and there and, uh, um, and just becoming more consistent with it.
0: So the word is you killed the workout here. Do you, what do you remember about
1: it? <laughs> Um, I I think I played really, really well here. Um, all the competition things, I think I, um, I excelled in, uh, you know, one-on-one, three-on-three, um, I think I just, I'm competitive, very competitive, uh, you know, I hate to lose, love to win, so, um, I think, uh, during my workout, I was able to, uh, be aggressive and get to my spots, and I made plays, made a lot of plays there.
0: Congratulations on being drafted, wearing the logo, getting to wear a uniform in Summer League. All those things. Best
3: of luck to you. Bro.
1: Thank you. Appreciate it.
3: That's Tyrone Wallace. Thanks. Rejecting the Screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot.
1: I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the Screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday...